Good afternoon or evening or morning to you, wherever you are listening, listeners. Uh, welcome to Buffalo Bills, baby, next year. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm Frank. Oh, man. All right. We, we do it out of order, and I lead, and then no one's number two, I, and then I'm this gonna, is what happens. I'm going to blame this on Anchor, though, because we had so long where I was the only one doing it that yeah, I think know, we should everyone else to blame, blame Anchor you, for everything. In fact, if you listen to some of our early podcasts before Anchor existed, we're also going to blame any raggedness on Anchor then, too. Yes, absolutely. So one, two, three. Yeah, those are also because of Anchor's uh, problems. So uh, welcome, everybody. We are uh, talking about the Buffalo Bills, as we normally do. Um, we have a jam-packed agenda, so we will jump right in. There have been two Buffalo Bills preseason games uh, since we last spoke to you. Um, we tried to get one in uh, for a little while there, but we... Um, Decided not to because we're in charge of the podcast and you're not. Um, yep. Not that anyone's really like crying out for more Buffalo Bills Memory Next Year podcast, but that's another story. Um, what is part of this story is the fact that the Bills uh, beat the Browns uh, 19 to 17 and lost to the Panthers 28 to 23. The scores, as usual, are irrelevant because it's the preseason. What is far more important is basically all of the players and how they played and the decisions that uh, and the decisions that the team has to make now as we approach our third preseason game, the, the kind of rehearsal, the, the final audition uh, for most of the, the most of the starters this season. So we'll, we're going we're gonna to get to thoughts on the defense for the whole two games. We're going to get to thoughts on the offense for the whole two games. But let's just start at the start at the beginning of the podcast, which is now. And I'm heard, I'm I've heard happily, um, and we'll just start with the quarterbacks because clearly that's what everyone's excited about. That is the most important position. So I will start with Frank, and the question to Frank is, Frank, yes, how do you feel about the quarterback position on the Buffalo Bills right now? Um, weirdly, I feel jazzed, even though I shouldn't. Um, and I'd like to just take a step back, and I feel like the points matter. Because here the Bills are with a negative three-point differential in the preseason, you know, placing them squarely in the middle of the NFL. That that is the that is the six thousandth tiebreaker. Is yes, pre- for, for for postseason positioning this year is preseason point differential. So right, I'm getting outscored forty-two to forty-five to forty-two. So on the plus side, forty-two points over two games. On the not so plus side, giving up forty-five points on the. And just like plus minus in hockey, it doesn't really say anything. Um, no, uh, I, as a as a onlooker, as a spectator, I suppose as a podcaster, I am very happy with what's happening with the quarterback position because it's intriguing. It's a story um, in a football GM fan going forward. I'm a little nervous, uh, but it's it's this nervousness of. Um, Look, I mean, Peterman honestly has looked pretty good in the preseason. He had a pretty nice preseason last year, but he looks comfortable this year. Um, Josh Allen is exceeding, I think, the expectations, particularly the expectations of a lot of people outside of Buffalo. Um, in in that, he's managed to complete short passes and not look overwhelmed in preseason including a run with the number twos. Uh, A.J. McCarron, I didn't even notice him get hurt, to be honest, in the game. I didn't even notice that. Um, I'm happy that he doesn't have a broken collarbone. He could come back and play. So I feel like they have um, 
for me, the, the quarterback position really begins and ends with Allen. And so I'm pleased with it because he looks better than I was led to believe he would look. Now, that comes with all of the preseason caveats of, you know, it's not full speed. My guess is that he's not doesn't have a a full offense at his fingertips, but he doesn't look foolish and he doesn't look overwhelmed. And he looks it's it's interesting, but it's nice that he's the same size or bigger than most of the other guys on the field. Like there's like a niceness to, to that. Like he just looks like comfortable in there. Um, and holy moly, can he throw the ball hard? Uh, so. I like it. I'm excited. I'm excited as a fan who's, you know, doesn't have big expectations for the year that we might get to see more Josh Allen sooner and come to better conclusions about who he is faster based on that. So is that a fair way to answer your question? That's fair. I'm going okay. to turn to Paul and then we're going to have some, con- and I'm going to, I'm going to pose another question about quarterbacks to you before we move on. Okay. Let's go to Paul right now. All right. And I will try not to oversay anything. I'll try not to bleed into the offense or the, what we think week one stuff. So I'll just focus on the QBs. Boy, uh, I'll lead as everyone wants to talk about Nate Peterman, of course, who doesn't want to talk about Nathan Peterman all the time, really looked like he had things together in that first game against Carolina And he did what McDermott wanted him to do in the game against the Browns, which was come in and raise the level of play of some of these scrubs around him. McDermott phrased it slightly differently, but that meaning was there. So that was a nice thing to see. A.J. McCarron, pleased with his performance in the the first preseason game. Obviously, against the Browns, he was much more inconsistent. He also had uh, as much protection as a broken condom. It was not a very good uh, performance by the offensive line in front of him, which I'm sure I'll talk about later. So it was tough to really judge. I'd like to see a little more out of him in that that game. But now on the you know what everyone wants to discuss, we've all been we've all been high on Josh Allen before the draft. Oh yeah, yeah. Regularly, we That's have why we do the podcast so people can go back and listen to them and see how right we were. Right. We've always been saying they should move up to first overall just so they're guaranteed to get Josh Allen. That should be exactly what happens. And there's no tweets you can find from us that say otherwise or, or anything like that. Anyway, so, yeah, we as Frank said, and this is a point I hadn't really thought about, but it makes total sense, is, you know, you he does look like he'll, he'll be an unknown quantity for a shorter amount of time, I think is, is kind of what Frank was going at. Like, we see... We've seen some of the strengths and weaknesses, you know, right off the bat. You know, we've seen the fact that he'll occasionally uh, just throw balls into the ether, but we've also seen the rocket arm. We've seen some moments where his accuracy is pinpoint when it absolutely needs to be pinpoint. That touchdown pass to McLeod uh, in the Browns game, the pass over the middle, I believe, also to McLeod in the Panthers game. He really showed you that he does have the physical tools to to do the job of a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Already knew that though, but I, it was nice to see it in action to, you know, kind of get the impression that, you know, he's he's does have some strengths that the team can work with. Jordan Palmer seems to have helped his footwork out. I know he worked with Jordan in the off season, so that was good to see. So yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by what we've seen out of Josh Allen at this point. Okay, I am intrigued as well. Obviously, I'm I'm not. Uh, I mean, it it'd be one thing to you know have him go out there and throw four interceptions and and you know get sacked four times and just mm-hmm. completely look lost. That obviously would be a negative. But at the same time, no one would really be like, well, you know, 
we didn't really think he was going to be ready this year. And and this kind of proves that he's not, but, but you know, let's, let's give him some time and, and hope he figures it out. So, you know, that's kind of one counter hypothesis. Um, I think obviously it's good to see him perform well. However, I'm also just going to throw out a couple of stat lines here. You guys just, just ready for these. Mm-hmm. So um, let's just say the quarterback <laughs> in the preseason went, 10 of 12 for 92 yards and a touchdown in the second game. That's not too shabby, right? No, that sounds, that sounds, doesn't sound like a trap at all. I think that's a great quarterback. Exactly. And if I told you that in his first game, uh, the same quarterback uh, and did 16 of 21 for 107 yards and a touchdown, that's, I mean, you know, obviously you want, you, you want a little more yards. That's maybe kind of like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Trent Edwards territory a bit, but certainly not terrible, right? No, of course not. Absolutely. And then I would tell you, and you would be stunned to find out that those are EJ Manuel's first two ah! games <laughs> as as a Bills preseason starting quarterback. Um, if you guys remember, I'm just I did some uh, quick googling. EJ Manuel's first game. Remember, he actually looked terrible right out of the gate, and he was like seven. He was seven to twelve for thirty nine yards, and then they took right. him out, and they brought him back in for the two minute drill and he went nine for nine for 68 yards and a touchdown. And it's like, Oh, that's nice. And then he looked much better in the Vikings game as well. So, but again, um, needless to say preseason performance, not indicative of future, um, you know, results. Um, so with all that said, how do you guys feel about starting Josh Allen this week? Are you in favor of it? Do you think it's too much pressure on him? Is there any reason not to? Uh, is there any reason to put Peterman in to let him get a chance to, you know, uh, get some more reps in? If you, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on where you see Allen fitting in this season. But I'd, I'd be interested in your your guys' thoughts on that. So we're going to start, I think, this time with Paul in snake draft format. Yeah, and I have no. Oh, that's we've never used that term before. Well done, Scott. So yeah, we. You know, we let me let me try this again. Or thankfully, this isn't live, so we'll just edit all this later. But yeah, so I see no advantages starting Josh Allen at all this this week. I think you you do want to see him play in live action with starters. You have seen Nate Peterman play in live action with starters for better, but mainly for worse. So you know, you're not going to glean too much from his performance there. I would rather Josh Allen have to play a starting defense, a starting NFL defense, and a decent defense. The defense was the reason that the, the Bengals struggled like they did last season. So, you know, he'll he'll have a chance to, to perform well there. I think he's going to get a chance to work with the players he would be working with in the regular season if he ends up taking on that big role, the Calvin Benjamins, the LaShawn McCoys. He'll be getting used to the offensive line that he's going to be working with all season. So I think – you know, to the point of preseason when Scott brought up EJ Manuel's numbers, you can't really glean statistically, you know, you can't glean anything on, on, you know, how good a quarterback is based on their statistics coming out of a preseason game, but you can at least get them used to taking reps with the players they would be taking reps with in the number one role, which I think would be valuable. So I'm, I'm fully in favor of him starting this week. Uh, I agree. Um, there's some, there's some sense that, you know, maybe this was the plan all along because, you know, like they, they had been rotating the quarterbacks and he would have been the natural, uh, one to go next if that was the case. There's also something to the idea that, um, Sal Capaccio is tweeting and, and I, and I, I, I 
appreciate it, even if I'm not sure it's correct, that with the game being on Sunday, it's a great way to get the rookie with no experience of a game day week a full week, what a full week might be like, including media day on Wednesday and having a day off Tuesday and installing the game. And so you give him his first full quote unquote week without having to sacrifice an actual NFL week. And, um, you know, I guess if we're talking about a coach who says people earn things, um, short of something going on in, in behind closed doors that I don't see, I, everything seems to indicate that he would have at least earned a chance to throw the football at the number one players. Um, that certainly is exacerbated by the McCarran injury um, and the fact that they probably have a good sense of who Nathan Peterman is. So uh, from a, a perspective of, you know, talent evaluation and, and the like, I, I think it's, I think it's a great idea. Um, I don't, you know, and if he plays well, we can have a discussion about whether he should play week one. If he doesn't play well, you know, then you can go with Nathan Peterman if you like. Um, I'm not sure that's the decision I would make anyway, but uh, yeah, the answer is yes. I'm excited to see as much time against as, you know, firm competition as possible. Interesting. Okay. I'm a little bit more skeptical. Um, I will say the first team, I, you know, I don't think there's much point in, I, if you're the coaches, you're expecting that Josh Allen is preparing this week like he's going to start, even if he's not. I feel like that is your expectation as a of a rookie, is that every week you better be preparing like you're going to start on Sunday, even if you have no chance mm -hmm. of not starting. So that's that's just I don't think I'm not sure I'm buying that that's going to hopefully affect uh, Allen's calculus. I hope that's not what they're thinking. Well, no, he's saying that the week is different if you're the starting quarterback. You get first team reps you the media wants to talk to, like the media doesn't talk to the backup quarterback on media day they talk to the starting quarterback and so he's saying that there's actual things that happen to the guy who knows he's starting that are different than it's not just preparation maybe i didn't make that clear i'm sorry i mean i don't i mean i'm still not really buying oh, that okay me. that's fine i want to make sure i, I was being clear yeah, so. no i mean no I, I yeah point taken but i don't i still don't think i'm really like uh, again if you put josh allen available for media day he's going to answer some questions right they're going to ask him stuff regardless of whether or not he's the starter um and in fact it'd be a more interesting test to see how he handles not being named the starter and see how he answers questions about that um so on some level that doesn't really Cut the cut the cheese or cut the I don't know. There's a metaphor I'm I'm losing in my head. I think yes, it does cut the mustard. It actually does cut the cheese. That is your. <laughs> it would have to be your cheese. <laughs> um, so uh, I am a little concerned about it, just because I feel like now again, if they want to say this is part of the plan, okay, I'll, I'll I'll sort of buy that. I don't know that that's how I would have sketched out the plan, frankly. I would have much rather have put Allen in for a second week just because of the amount of the cumulative pressure that's going to be put on him. Again, it's a preseason game. I don't want to overdo it, but at the same time, like he's going to, he's going to have to, his job should be learning how to be a good NFL quarterback right now. Not how am I going to worry about the media on Wednesday and not how am I going to, you know, make sure that, you know, this is my shot. I got to get it now. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather him, I'd rather wait until Nathan Peterman is killed in week five because Dion Dawkins misses a block on somebody who's really good. And Nathan Peterman is, you know, let off the field and, uh, on a stretcher. And then Josh Allen comes in with no pressure because there's no one else to play. 
Um, so that's kind of how I'd, I'd prefer things playing out. I don't think that you're going to... I'm concerned that there's no reason for them to do this unless they think Allen's going to start week one, and I don't like the idea of Allen starting week one. I just don't. And we can talk about that more, I think, on another podcast or maybe at the end of this one if we have time, but I think there's a lot of other things to get to. So okay. to transition to our point, uh, to that point I just made about um, Nathan Peterman getting killed, um, let's talk about the rest of the offense. Um, so, Frank, we'll start with you. How do you feel... Now, there's a couple things that everyone needs to keep in mind about the offense, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in vanilla so far, mm-hmm. new offensive coordinator, so mm-hmm. you can also talk about not just the players, but the coaching. Right. Um, some turnover at wide receiver. McCoy not really being 100% in, the, in there. Obviously, some turnover on the offensive line. All that said, uh, they had some problems against the Browns. They had less problems against the Panthers, but I wouldn't call it a... a a, a sterling effort, um, you know, against a, a fairly vanilla um, Panthers defense. They did score fight, you know, twice on the first two drives. So I guess that's all you can really hope for. Or no, they didn't. That Peterman threw the pick, right? I think it wasn't really um, a pick, but it got tipped. And then, yeah, yeah. I've forgotten already. Yeah, they scored. They scored 17 points in the first half against the Panthers. That's not too terrible. But how do we feel about the offense other than the quarterback situation, Frank? Uh, well, it's hard to evaluate the wide receivers fairly without the involving the quarterbacks, I guess, because I'm sort of impressed with the quarterback play. I am on some level impressed with the wide receiver play. And that, that of course comes with the caveat that I'm not sitting here with the all 22 and, and going through that yet. Um, if I will at all, but the, um, um, the offensive line is certainly worrying. Uh, um, I mean, uh, who was the guy that didn't make the block on the, the one right up the middle or the one or when, which, when... Is, which of the seven, right? I mean, <laughs> there, there's like the Landry block. No, that was the other way. That was the, that was the other side of the yeah. ball where it was like, he missed the side, but no, the, I mean, like some people have definitely been pushed back and hit. And, and it's also a little interesting because the, the Bills definitely have stated like that the the Browns game was about doing short passes and stuff. But I mean, I'm still thinking that with like a, a semi-minimal effort, you know, from the defense of the Browns, there was quite a bit of pressure um, and issues. And it's not Groy. Who's the other center? Um, yeah, he took a big step back. Like he did not look particularly nice, and none of the none of his reviews were very good. Um, so th- th- if that to me is the core of the offense, then like the running backs, I'm not even like thinking about because I feel like M- McCoy is McCoy and, and I, we haven't even really seen him try yet. Um, and so I have no way to really evaluate him until he, you know, maybe the game three, if, if, if then, um, I, I have a feeling like he might just not do anything until week one and everybody's comfortable with that. Um, but yeah, I'm not particularly thrilled with the offensive line. If there's a reason I'm comfortable with Nathan Peterman starting the season, uh, it might be just to, you know, weather some of the initial bad offensive line play before you you put your new kid in. Um, so overall, not with the actual personnel, not great. I will then, before I turn it over, say I have enjoyed the play calling. I feel like they have put people in the position to succeed i like some of the motion and the movement that they're doing um on the on the on the line don't ask me to explain too much of it because i couldn't but 
I do like the formations and the and the and the and the play calling, including some of the deep throws in the first game. Um, and so I'm hopeful that they'll continue to be creative as the actual real season goes on. And lastly, I will say, if you type EJ Manuel preseason into YouTube, you will get a plethora of video highlights. Um, if you wanted to see what Scott's stats were looking like. All right. Yeah, I, I you know, the, the continuity and talk about the, the O-line uh, before we got the, the play calling there at the end. That, is, that still remains my biggest concern. I think Dawkins has played fairly well just based on some of the clip highlights I have watched on on the athletic which i do not write for uh so it's not really a cheap plug but they do have some film on there and, and dawkins was highlight is is having done fairly well uh the rest of the four you know groy has probably been better than bodine to this point but neither has been exceptional the third string offensive line against the third strings third string browns line was the only time i felt like quarterbacks weren't under constant duress but of course, you put that offensive line against first string offensive line, they're going to be or defensive line, they're going to be buried. So, you know, that's that's my chief concern. I think one thing I'm really looking forward to next season is the fact that they have some money to spend and maybe need some upgrade on the offensive side of the ball. And, and as Scott mentioned, and as Frank mentioned too, you know, it's you know, if you start Josh Allen week one, he's going to get killed. You know, in this way, if, you know, McCarron or Peterman are injured and effectively bringing him later, it's less of a problem. But anyway, that's the O-line. Uh, running back, I'm fine with Lynch. It's, or Lynch, oh, my God, I went back to Marshawn. Marshawn. <laughs> generations of Bill's running backs. Yeah. Ah, uh, boy. So, yeah, uh, I'm fine with LaShawn, uh, you know, and what he's able to – I got LaShawn and Marshawn mixed up. That's how that happens. So, you know, LaShawn hasn't done much in the preseason – doesn't really matter to me. I still think he's going to have a decent year. The depth, we were happy with what Marcus Murphy has provided so far. Again, it's always tough to tell in the preseason how that's going to translate to the regular season, but I've been fine with him. What's been really funny, to, not funny, but interesting to watch is the, the tight end depth that Nick O'Leary is now yeah. number five on the depth chart, seemingly at this point, or at least a four behind Clay, Kroom, uh, Kari Lee, and Logan Thomas, I think, is the other one. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see, but maybe that means that the Jason Crooms of the world are going to be decent tight ends and come out of nowhere. Uh, or it means that they're all terrible except Clay. And then, uh, you know, the, the receivers, I mean, we're never going to have to talk about them much because it's, it's, it's a trash heap. It's Kellen Benjamin and a bunch of guys who cross your fingers can do a, a passable job. The only uh, thing that Frank mentioned, which I, I – it's, I both agree with it, but disagree in the same breath. Like, I think the play calling's been good as well. But if there's one thing that means less than all the other things, it means be the play calling because you're just really calling the most vanilla plays you can. So it's not tip your hand. But the Bills' base, uh, to get to Frank's main point there, the, the base play calls have seemed good. They've seemed creative. They've seemed to have taken some advantage of the players. And that's that seems to be a nice change of pace. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think I agree with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, talking about the play calling, yeah, I like the, I think there's definitely been a bit more uh, dynamism in the offense, if you want to call it that. Um, Obviously, with the Tyrod kind of offense, you know, uh, again, I was a big Tyrod supporter, but it was fairly um, predictable on some level. There were short throws that he was about 50-50 on, and then 
play action and then that was pretty much it and it doesn't seems like we're being a little more expansive with the playbook now obviously at least in the types of throws now obviously once we get into the regular season we have to find out whether we have you know 15 of these kind of short mid-range and, and long-range throws or whether we have 45 and how many you know whoever the quarterback is can absorb them but i do like they're at least going with a little bit different offensive design um i think yeah, the line is concerning, like we've talked about. I think the receivers, yeah, is a bunch of garbage. And I think that's gonna that's going to hurt um the you know, obviously the quarterback and the offense. I don't think that that's gonna get better. Um if you were gonna fix something on this team, it's pretty clear they're not going after Des Bryant. I don't know how many wide receivers are gonna come off the street and really help you out. I mean, admittedly, I don't know that there's a lot of offensive linemen that will, but they might just get better with, you know, more cohesion and playing time together, whereas the wide receivers, I don't think it quite works like that. Um and then running back, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty pleasantly surprised at running back depth, mostly because I think, you know, Marcus Murphy looks better than Chris Ivory at this point. So as far as I'm concerned, he's he needs to be the number two back and Chris Ivory needs to be, you know, thinking about a bus trick bus ticket out of town here. Um or or a cadet, obviously. I don't know what all the cadet. running backs, which is nice as well to see the young guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Cadet, you know, I think he has some special teams value. So maybe that's how he sticks around as well. Um, but let's move on to the defense. The defense, again, kind of a mixed bag. Um, you know, I obviously, the you know, I think probably a little poorer overall, frankly. I mean, the Panthers kind of went up and down the field on them a little bit. And then the Browns, obviously, on their first drive, just basically ran it down the throat of uh, the Bills run defense, which we spent a fair amount of money on in the offseason and did not mm. look better at all. So we'll start with Paul on this one. Thoughts on the defense? Yeah, the defense has been – it's – well, let me start with some of the positives that we we see. Uh, you know, Tremaine Edwards, he's gotten good and bad reviews. Brian Baldinger, if you saw on Twitter, had a good video on him and how quick he is, how fast he gets to the sideline. But uh, Cornelius Bennett and Daryl Tyler all had a discussion about how he's not really going through his reads correctly. He's looking too much at the running back. He's not paying attention to what the linemen are doing. He's not exactly lining up correctly. But I suppose that can be expected when you're 15 years old. But he's got all the physical abilities that, you know, seem like it's going to be, you know, that he's in good, good position. I also want to talk about Shaq Lawson. He is, you know, been a, a been good this preseason that is is nice in and of itself does that mean he's ever going to live up to the number one draft pick standards not necessarily but does it mean he's going to be eric flowers no you know if you're on somewhere in between there you're you're going to be fine with that so i i would i like seeing Shaq playing fairly well and i think tredavious and the safeties have all played well too and and that's not a surprise so i've been you know lifted up by that performance the downside obviously the Bills have not had to deal too much with injuries in the preseason, but man, uh, they've affected that more. Trent Murphy, you know, he's, you know, has didn't, didn't play. He's still battling his groin, as we all are as men, constantly. But we're <laughs> obviously to Kyle on the defensive interior. And, you know, will Starr be able to, you know, hold that down? Is Harrison Phillips ready to step in? This team has proven very vulnerable to the run game, as you saw, especially in the Browns game and they're just completing ability to stop it. And we saw that pattern for a four-game stretch last season, which caused me to practically, you know, give up on the team because I just felt like, well, they, they've been found. And they have four straight games now. They've just been run all over. So that's that. So, you know, that's that still concerns me. I also think Vontae Davis is 
showing the reasons he was cut by Indianapolis. I have some concerns about the quarterback position and in all aspects of the defense, I'm definitely upset with the not upset with, it's not surprising to me, but the depth, you know, there's just not a lot behind these players be expected when you have $70 million in dead cap money. And I know I exaggerate numbers all the time, but that's why I'm not exaggerating. It's $70 million in dead cap space that could go to pay more experienced players to help play roles behind some of the starters. And, the you know, no one's really stood out in the linebacking core except for Edmonds with his mix of positives and negatives. So I'm definitely concerned about the defense and in particular the the run defense. And, you know, hopefully they, they prove me wrong as the season goes on. All right, Frank. Yeah, you know, I don't have anything different to say. Um, I guess I would just like to re-echo um, the the Shaq Lawson stuff, which I feel like, you know, for a guy who was on the trade block at the beginning or and the possible cut list, I'm I'm happy to see him playing well. Which doesn't mean he won't be traded, but I, I don't think I don't think at this point he would be. I think they're counting on him to kind of perform. Um, obviously, Harrison Phillips will get a a early an early start to the season i'm thinking you know i'm i'm worried that kyle williams at his age yeah you know he might not come back he they might just sort of he might take some money and retire on a high note and uh we're not this would be a low note but last year was the high note and he'd be remembered as you know a great bill um and the i guess the only other thing i'm hopeful for is uh, well, I mean, it, it cuts both ways. Like last year's defense was good when people weren't sure it would be, uh, but also defense is the hardest thing to repeat. Um, you know, good defenses don't tend to repeat year to year the same way that good offenses do, um, statistically. So, um, you'd expect it. You you just sort of naturally the, given the number of turnovers they had last year, you'd sort of expect a natural statistical, pull back to the center anyway um but we'll see we'll see maybe we'll get under, maybe they'll be energized and uh, i don't know i mean for me like the 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 season is is 97 percent about the quarterbacks so <laughs> so i it's not that i don't care it's just that it's not gonna you know make it's not gonna inform the the my long-term view of how the bills are gonna be uh, one way there's so many so many interesting discussions that we have that well, all of our positions end up turning around at some points and i feel like on various points both frank and i um with <laughs> paul as usual the voice of the middle um yeah. you know you know arguing about well you can't win in the league if you don't have a quarterback or um no you need to have the rest of the team good and then the quarterback is you know as long as the quarterback's okay you can get in um and and so frank's point about the 97 percent about the quarterback is interesting uh not that he's saying quite that, but I, I think uh, the point is taken that obviously we're all intrigued by the quarterback situation. The defense, I mean, I am, I, I feel like I'm harder on this defense right now than you guys are. I mean, I'm okay. pretty, like, Jordan Poyer definitely missed one really pretty, you know, necessary tackle against Carlos Hyde. And then, according to Buffalo Rumblings, they were looking at that film and they feel like he was out of place that led uh, on another Carlos Hyde run that led to him led to Hyde getting another decent gain. So, And again, that was just on the one series where the, all the starters were in, starters versus starters. And it's not like the Bills are running a lot of like, I hope they're not running a lot of exa you know, exotic blitzes that put people out of position and put the safeties in tough spots. Hopefully we're just running the base 
stuff. And if they're just running up the middle on it, not in a position to make tackles and we got a problem. Um, right. Especially bringing in Latulale. This was not, I mean, again, the theory of Latulale three or four years ago was that he was this big run stopper. Last year, he started to get a little worse against the run. That's why he was available. Um, we still paid through the nose for him. But the theory is that we're going to be a lot stouter up the middle. And I did not see that on Sunday uh, or last uh, Friday night. And then, you know, Edmonds, yeah, you know, you hope just he gets better. You know, he's got, you know, yeah, he, he had some good plays. He had some bad plays. That's 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 to be expected. But, you know, if they're going to put a lot on him, then, you know, unfortunately, we kind of have to kind of live and die with him. And, and it's uh, it might be a bit of a I'm concerned about the defense. I mean, to be perfectly honest, again, they haven't really been tested too much. Again, the offenses are going to get more creative as the season goes on so i'm i'm a little concerned at where we are right now because if we can't stop the run in the preseason i don't think it's going to get any earlier any easier in the regular season that's not how Um, it works no (laughs) yeah it's one thing like if you it's one thing like if you can't it's one thing like if you are finding it hard to throw the ball in the preseason because yeah you're you're going to leave the a plus plays for the regular season but uh run defense is really just a matter of you know, timing, position, and fundamentals. It's not really a lot of exotic. If you're doing a lot of exotic run blitzes to, to help your run defense, then you don't really have a good run defense. Um, but let's hope that uh, they magically get better. Can I say uh, before you move on that the theory yes. of Tallulah sounds like something that would be in a Dan Brown novel? <laughs> like a... <laughs> the Tallulah contingency? Exactly, right. It would right. Well, that sounds like a Big Bang Theory episode name, but yes, um, some some sort of... C- have you heard about the Tulululay theory? <laughs> yeah, exactly. it posits that Jesus was a <laughs> defensive tackle, <laughs> and Jesus the secret God. bloodlines. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, all right, so we will uh, we will move on. And uh, Frank, why don't you start getting ready with uh, the Twitter questions? Or Paul, Paul, you had Twitter questions. Yeah, right? Paul's the tweeter. Yeah. So the Frank. Yes, Frank. Oh, let me answer the one that, like, I'm on. You know what I'm talking about, right, David? David Fierster asks, will this podcast be available on iTunes or just the Anchor app? Question mark. And to David, I say, if you're listening, um, and I tweeted him this as well, uh, Anchor has really let us down. We will no longer be on Anchor. Um, but unfortunately, that means currently we will not be on iTunes until... And this will happen soon. I promise. I have. I am now home from vacations and things, and I I will have some time to to sit down and and refigure this out. But for the time being, we will not be on iTunes or Anchor. This will only be available as a Google Hangout. Um, and I'm going to put that on Facebook, and I'm going to put that on Twitter, and then I'm going to go into Anchor just to record a short little two minute thing if it will let me. That says, Hey, if you're listening to this and it downloaded, please be advised. You know, we can't update the podcast here anymore. It will be on these other venues. And then when I get a chance to rebuild the podcast feed, um, hopefully what will happen is uh, you won't have to change anything on your end. Uh, I will have changed things on our end and you will get your um, Buffalo Bills maybe next year podcast in the same way you always have for the last seven years. We apologize for having tried anything new (laughs) at all ever. Um, in the hopes that technology had better solutions than what I had been doing for the last seven years. Um, so anyway, that's where we are, David and everyone else. Um, 
And that's I am, it. I, I'm doing what I can, but <laughs> for the time being, let's all just, it's, it's my preseason too. <laughs> Feel free to mail Frank your checks if you'd like the podcast to be rebroadcast right. on Anchor can, or iTunes. You can join us uh, at Patreon or you know, whatever. We should get a Patreon and then, then I can pay for Podbean and <laughs> I don't know. They can, they can suck too, probably. <laughs> yeah, Anchor, probably. Anchor was... Anchor was not good. Anchor was hard, and it didn't work well with more than one person. If anybody else has podcasts or anything, this I'll just all right. I gotta go for one second, guys. So, Paul, oh. and Frank, why don't you do Twitter questions? Yes, we'll do that. Um, we uh, but I'll just finish up in saying that it was very frustrating uh to have more than one person on the ones because everybody kept dropping off, and so for all the and it was only available on a phone. Uh, maybe we could have put it on a tablet or something. I don't know, but it certainly wasn't available as like a, a, a PC or Apple uh, MacBook app. That would have been a more stable connection, you would think. And so frustratingly, it just kept crashing constantly and we had to re-record pieces and do other things. And so um, it turned out to be a bit of a, a nightmare, much more work than 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 what I had been doing. Um, but Paul... Uh, enough of this behind the scenes, uh, you know, uh, inside baseball, if you will. Um, <laughs> what do we have for what do we have for Twitter? And first, we should let no, fans know the alternative that we are doing. Uh, we're going back to what we've always done, which is a rotary dial phone. Uh, we're all yes. dials like we were when we started this podcast. I have the tape recorder going as I hold it up to the receiver, and uh, it's it's working really well. And I, I was listening to our first podcast talking about Jack Kemp the other day. And, you know, how, you know, we weren't sure if he developed as a QB, but, uh, oh, man, the old days. So, yeah, going into Twitter, we'll start with uh, Ryan. If the Bills offensive line continues to play poorly and more QBs get hurt, which of the B-Bills M&Y crew try and break incognito out of jail and say time to help the old line? We'll get into the latter half of that later. But, yeah, that's uh, we've got a – the Bills are going to have to, at some point – do you guys remember uh, – I don't know if uh, – Scott's even on it. I don't know if you remember Frank Colin Brown, a guy the Bills used to have. I'm like, yeah, he's going to be our starting guard this year. And seven years into the, the season or seven games into the season, they cut him. Said, you're not even good enough for the team anymore. It was, I think it was the same year they cut Trent Edwards. So, yeah. I envision something like that happening this year and then finding someone on the open market and bringing them in. Because I think that the offensive line is really in that, that bad of shape. So, you know, that is, that is the unfortunate uh, part of that. Um, David got your, you got to David's question, of course. Yes. Um, so that's all, all set. And then, uh, yeah, really, I guess that was our lone question. Cause all the rest mm-hmm. have to do with incognito, if we want to wait till that gets back to get into to that. Um, well, I, you know, maybe we should read their, the comments of the people, uh, the proletariat, if you will. And then we will, um, when, when Scott rejoins us, he'll just announce his rejoining. And uh, we will, you know, get him to talk about our um, or his thoughts on it as well. Um, and so Ryan summed it up with his comment, noting that, you know, what Incognito had done uh, is he'd gone to a funeral home with, with five guns and a silencer after his family had informed him he wasn't welcome at his father's own father's funeral with his uh, recent behavior. And uh, it's, it seems like a bad situation all around. I hope all involved can get better and come together in some way. Our buddy uh, Shapes Ensembler, as I'd call him, says amen, brother. And uh, to which I replied, uh, I replied something very stoic, I remember correctly. What the heck did I reply, though? That is a good question. I can't even find that right now. But essentially, the point is, you hope he can get on whatever combination of meds 
therapy and whatever else he needs. Whatever combo of meds, therapy, and other assistance he needs, I hope he is able to get. He's struggling for a long time, and every time I see his name in the news, I pray he's not harmed himself or someone else. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... I, I think that it's fair to say that he he's struggling, um, and I don't want to diminish his... his um, suffering i believe i believe the man is suffering for some reason and, and not just because his dad passed away he clearly was having issues and suffering before then but you know also just <sighs> well you, people don't threaten other people with guns right like it, and and so i don't want to like dismiss his culpability is the only thing i you know like he's clearly needs help but i also just i, I don't want it to just all be about you know poor Richie because he's got a history of this. And, and I think it, it's fair to say that his best years were in Buffalo where he had a support network apparently, and was able to, you know, to rely on other people, but he, you know, like it's time for some personal responsibility here as well. So hopefully he takes that as his, uh, and it takes the initiative to take care of himself. As, as usual, Frank, the law and order, Get your shit together, personal responsibility <laughs> candidate of the of maybe next year. Right. Maybe next year. That is that is Frank. <laughs> maybe next Fountainhead. Um anyway. Exactly. Uh so Paul, do you have anything? Did you already talk, Paul? I'm back now. I'm trying yeah. to No, we just read I'm sorry, Paul. We we just right. read the Twitter uh, accounts of Richie Incognito, which were the final comments. Oh, okay. There was one good comment on uh, the first person who commented on the dead spin summary of it noted, I really don't understand the need to report specific actions in what are clearly the acute psychotic episodes of a person with mental illness. And in this case, compounded by grief. So there is also some, you know, logic in, okay, it's out there now. Everyone just leave it alone and hopefully Richie gets some help. And yes, he is uh, often an asshole and that's might be part of his nature, but uh, you know, he's still for the sake of the people who love and care about Richie, and for, you know, the sake of people that Richie could harm when he is not in good shape, you know, we just wish our best for him getting his, getting things together, however he needs to get it together. I feel like we can participate in a, in a, let's not talk about people who aren't dealing with football issues related to the Bills, yeah. um, you know, at, at least for Richie Incognito anymore. We will, we will continue extending the Incognito policy at some point in the future to other former Bills. But for now, I think they just call it that. Um, we still haven't, not that we should do it today, but we still haven't had a very good discussion on LaShawn McCoy, by the way, in his, we, yeah, we do. And I don't know if today's the time because we got, no, today's not the time because no one's prepared for it today, but and we've got, we've got wacky schedule. So let's yes. get into it. All right. As people remember from the last podcast, the Jets game last time was in New York and it took place in a, uh, a, is essentially a West side story dance off that the, the bills and jets played. Of course, the Jets, one of the gangs in West Side Story. Uh, this, however, game will be played in Buffalo. It has a bit more of a Buffalo feel to a gang fight in the sense that there is almost, there's in fact no dancing and uh, more guns and knives and um, tridents and hand grenades. So for those of you who remember the Anchorman series, of course, they end uh, the the 
first movie as it as they're both actually both movies as they're ending it ends with a very epic kind of gang fight amongst the news crews so instead the uh now the bills and jets will be having a newsroom style gang fight uh in the middle of new era field uh for this game instead so uh you know the only rules as usual um you know don't touch the hair um and that's it so paul your thoughts yeah i'm just gonna i'll I'll give my pick right up front and then explain it the bills bills are gonna win this this game for one very specific reason josh allen's arm there's no question allen is starting this game you've got to give him a trident maybe some sort of spear something particularly sharp because if there's someone riding in on a horse he will be able to aim that get it there and the guy will be like dead instantaneously so i think he can pretty well wipe out most of the jets he is going to have a lot of uh, murder charges to deal with he will have to get to the safe house and that's really probably going to affect the bills their last few games but you know that might be his first game action of the season so you know you could do i think it's a good way to uh to really just kind of take advantage of the jets get that win under there i think the uh you know, I mean, Lorenzo Alexander, hello, his Twitter handle is One Man Gang. I assume yeah. this just for hobby. So I think when he hears about the plot for this game, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is just my typical Sunday uh, during the offseason. So I'll just transfer that to now and uh, make sure I, I get some uh, crazy gang activity going here. So I think with the personnel advantage that's going on, I say the Bills are going to win this one going away. I think this is going to be one of those 38 to 13 laughers. Hmm. See, yeah, I don't. In terms of thirty-eight bills left standing, only thirteen jets left standing. Yes. Right. Of course. Yeah. See, I gotta go uh, one eighty out with you on this, Paul. Um. Look. I, I mean, according to a Buffalo um a WGRZ report, the FBI office says it had identified fifty-five street gangs and seven hundred gang members in the city of Buffalo, and. Frankly, there are parts of New York where, <laughs> like, there that's like one street in parts of New York there's, City. There's clubs uh, that you could go to in New York and find that. That would have more than 700 gang members, right? Um, so, and that's spread out over 55 gangs. So they're like, they're all fighting each other, and you could probably find a gang in New York that has at least half that many people in it. Um, so. Wait. Day Lewis in one of the gangs because that might change my answer. Yeah, that's true. Um, not to mention New York City's prolific, uh, not prolific, but like, look, they've got a storied history uh, from the gangster rap era. Um, like, y- you can find some very tough um, people in New York City. I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. And that's not just, you know, that's. You know, gangs of New York, the old Irish and Italian gangs. If you uh, can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Right. And and I just think, like, you know, right through to the modern day, um, you know, New, you know, New York, New York, it's a hell of a town. Uh, and, and I think if we're going gang fights, uh, I think the Jets have got the advantage because they're going to have the prep time, the proper coaching. Um <laughs> The, 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 in practice that week, they'll have a lot of experience. They'll exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, do. and even if you want to be like, well, they play in New Jersey, not New York. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Newark covers it. So uh, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say the Jets in a laugher 38 to 10 or something. I think it's, I think, I think it's a time, you know, Buffalo finds out what a gang problem can really be. <laughs> can really be. <laughs> 
um so this is definitely you know an intriguing one you know i think a good rumble never hurt anybody um i think i like the bill's chances just because in any kind of gang fight you're going to be looking to your leadership and Hmm. ranking for the for the for the bills you know josh allen you're going to be able to see him from the front he's going to be leading probably you're going to have lorenzo up there but who are the leaders on the jets who are really going to like take it to the bills i don't see josh mccown really doing Mm -hmm. that i don't Mm -hmm. think you know as good as he is a quarterback mentor oh wait no that's not a thing um he's not uh i don't see him really be leading the charge in a street fight sam darnold same thing california surfer guy got yep. a nice arm i'm not sure he's going to be great in a gang fight um so that's one thing you know the jets certainly you know jamal adams is gonna is gonna he's pretty terrifying he's 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 a good he i'm not i you know we're gonna need to have four or five guys on jamal adams to try and take him down early um, and then after that, I think we're okay. I mean, they got some other guys hanging around here, like Darren Lee, very fast, not not a big thumper up the middle. Tremaine Edmonds, that's a guy I want on my team in the gang fight. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Bills, but it's close. So I'm gonna say Bills. Uh, they're gonna have about uh, ten guys walk away, and the Jets about seven. So it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty brutal, but I think it's gonna be uh, gonna be it'd be entertaining at the very least. You know, it's um, funny, one correction to make to your prediction, which is the beginning. You said, uh, you know, a good rumble never hurts anyone. I'm actually, well, you know, a good rumble would hurt a lot. Actually, this particular one would. Yes, that's a good Buff- Buffalo rumblings, I got to say. I guess that's something I hadn't considered. There you go. <laughs> um, so we're going to move on. And uh, luckily, all the Bills players are covered. The problem is, is that they're playing the Lions the week next. Oh, no. Uh, that's the Lions yeah. music. <laughs> exactly. And... <laughs> Uh, you know, as usual with wacky schedule, uh, you know, grandpa Scott's running out of ideas here. I don't know why I referred myself to grandpa, um, but running out of ideas here. So I feel like, you know, we're not, we're not going to do lions like against Buffalo bills. Cause I feel like we've probably done variants. We may have in fact done that. Yes. We we're not going to do like lions against, you know, like lions, like playing a football game against human bills. Because I feel like we've probably done that too, though I'm not. I, we really have to check the records on this. So this one is going to be. It's not really a football game. It's more of a as opposed know, to all the other games yeah, in Wacky schedule. that we normally do. <laughs> right. I, I don't know if you guys have been to a lot of interviews these days. I have not, but I hear stories. People tell me things um, about. Apparently, a lot of times they want you to to know how you'll think about solving a problem. So part of that is what the NFL is trying to do here. Apparently, Roger Goodell got asked this question in an interview, and so he's intent on proving himself correct by essentially packing New Era Field with 80,000 fans and 53 members of the human Buffalo Bills and referees and various onlookers and things like this and press the media. They're all there for a regular football game. And instead of the Detroit Lions showing up, 53 adult Lions Mm. show up. And then Roger Goodell at that point announces kind of Bane style that <laughs> that <laughs> anyone, you, anyone you tell me, I'll do the voice. Go ahead. <laughs> so Bane says um, anyone, everyone who gets out of the stadium lives. No one who rem- if you stay in, if, if you're stuck inside, you stay inside with the lions. Go basically. The power is yours. Exactly. You may leave the stadium. <laughs> no, that's just become Sean Connery now. Never mind. 
<laughs> I have to put I have to put my hands over my face and then I can say right there. Oh, you're a man. <laughs> so the rules are the lions have been um properly trained in the matter of however long it took Goodell to put this together um, to essentially kill only. So they're not going to stop and eat. You know, normally if the lion kills you, you know, they're going to, they're going to stay and eat the prey. This, these lions are not. Now there are, there are two packs of lions and Mm -hmm. one smaller pack that no one really talks about, which is the special teams pack. But there is, (laughs) you know, did there, um, (laughs) I'm hilarious. That hurts. (laughs) Um, okay go ahead sorry so they are so they are allowed to work as a team um but again there are eighty thousand bills fans so what i'm going to do is i'm going to set the i'm going to set the over under and see should i set an over under or do i just do you guys want to write down your answers and then come back okay so (laughs) we have and 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 what number are we writing down dead dead bills fans dead dead humans Dead humans. Okay. Dead humans. Before before everyone, the last person makes it out of the stadium, that's when the that's when time stops. Okay. I would like to say that it's unfortunate that this is a one o'clock Sunday game, because if this was a Monday night or a Sunday night game, there would be many more, much more drunk Bills fans, and the body count would be much higher. Yes. Because nothing thinks that they can fight a lion like a drunk bills fan and if you don't believe me go to deadspin and just look up drunk bills fans and do Billspin, look yeah. at those people and tell me hashtag those people <laughs> and tell me that they wouldn't think like we can take a lion right <laughs> that's 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 taken into account in my estimate which i will share, yeah. share later i'm also going to say stampeding like stampede deaths count for the lions okay so like if a bill like a bills fan crushes another bills fan skull leaving the stadium because there's only again nine exits out of new era field i looked into this yeah um that that's also going to count for the lions favor so this is good this is this is a morbid and good question we need to then this is again this is an interview question so i want to hear everyone's thought process who do we start with this time do we start with frank or paul i think paul started last time so i'm on the hook here and i've already started with my yeah this wasn't a night game yep i guess from a morbidity standpoint like in reality you know there's going to be plenty of drunk people there. The good news is most of the drunk people are way up in the top, right? So they've yep. got to get all the way down to fight the lions. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's no, the other bad thing is they've been fighting boxes and luxury boxes for a long time. And that would have really helped you in this lion fiasco. You'd yeah. been able to hide out there and, and make yeah. your break at the appropriate point. Yeah. Uh, 53 lines. I think the problem is, and let me just clarify: Are these lions trained to kill, or are they just lions? Who they're are trained to kill. Okay, so they and they're trained to do maximum damage, or are they just trained to like they're trained to kill as many people as they can? Okay, so it's not just that they're swiping people and and killing them. It's like yeah. they're they're tactically moving through. Okay, because if yeah. they were just sort of going haphazardly through, I think that brings the number way down. But if they're looking yeah. to kill and they're not eating, yeah. And it's a packed house. Yeah. And they announce it, and everyone immediately starts. Some people start sprinting onto the field saying, we can take them. Some people start heading for the exits. Yeah. I think each lion could kill about... Could they each kill 10 people? That's hard. 
I think it's just time-wise, it's hard. It is. It is. I think it gets tough. But then when you're all lined up at the end, maybe you can get four or five in a row. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say they can kill 4,600 4, people. 4,600. Which is not a big percentage of the whole population. It's but I not. think it's a, is a true devastating massacre. That's a big win for the Lions at the same it's, time. I think, right. Like, I think that, like, if we're, if it's number of people, you know, you count your blessings that, you there know, were, it's a could small percentage, right? It's only like 5% of the people. But I think overall, like, yeah, like that could get, you'd have some people fighting them. But I think once they've cleared them out, now you've got this big line of people that can't get out of the gates fast enough. And that's where the horror is. Yeah. It's just like, you know, yeah, 40, you know, so I think 4,600 people. All right. Paul? And I apologize that I put that much thought into it. No, no, I, I actually do want to, in full disclosure, I feel I have an unfair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> I started this job about five, six months ago. Uh, I was at straight out. If you were a murderous lion and <laughs> With 52 of your fellow lines, three packs, two of which are relatively equal, one of which is kind of, you know, whatever, they kick balls and stuff, and they were placed in a football stadium, how many of them do you think you could murder? So I've, I've already engaged in this in, in my life, this very process. And without going through every single detail, uh, Frank was very close. It's actually 4,712. Uh, so uh -huh. 112. Uh, that you could kill because you have to, first of all, you're going to have, you're going to try and the lions. One thing they're going to do, I thought you're going to sprint to the exits. You're going to block some of those exits. You are going to be able to maul and maul and maul because people Ooh. might tell you if you kill pretty much all of them and a few escape, they're going to back off. They're going to start coming to you one on one. You're going to oh, kill them. man. You've got nine guard lines at the exit. Ooh. You could even do 18 lions at the exit. You could have oh, to no. So, I think this body count can get pretty high. The, the nice thing is Scott did not specify that these were uh, invincible or otherwise lions who had uh, endless stamina. There is a stamina issue that does come to play with the lions where eventually they can only do so much and people will start to get high. So uh, by the time the last person is out of the stadium, uh, the last living person is out of the stadium, 4,712 Can I ask one question that won't change my answer at all? But... <laughs> If somebody is lying wounded from the lion and then the last people get out, do they do we have to wait until they are either saved by somebody? No, they're there. I think I think they count as dead because at that point they're just left for the lions and then the lions eventually come back to eat them. Okay. So anybody left inside after the last able bodied person. Yeah, ambulatory. You have to be ambulatory and get out of the stadium. Okay. So you could yeah. like have your arm missing. And and if you yeah. manage to patch it and get out, you're good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, um, the answer is 4,600 still for me. I just... <laughs> okay. No, I, it is a tough one. I mean, Paul. Paul's... Uh, again, this is why Paul gets paid the way he does. To think, <laughs> think about this kind of stuff. I did not think about the fact that are the lions sophisticated enough to basically just put five lions at all the exits? Because in that case, <laughs> things just got a lot worse for the humans. Right. <laughs> But I'm going to say that this is like traditional lion intelligence. We'll, next year, if they play the lions, we'll do hyper-intelligent lions and play this over. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
Well, now the lines at the exit are our first defense because they're defending the exits where the offensive lines are in there. Their job is to just tear, tear people to shreds their face. We need to figure out what team the Bills have to play to do a Planet of the Apes variant of this. Um, right. But I, so yeah, I actually had it a bit lower. I thought that just based off of the, I didn't think that, I thought more people would die in the Stampede than the Lions. Mm. I think, you know, that we've had bad, you know, there's been bad stadium experience. I was Wisconsin had a bad stadium experience actually before I got there, uh, where a bunch of people got crushed kind of charging the field after we, we, we won the game to go to the Rose Bowl, basically. Um, so I had it, but I still did not have that high of a number. I had it at about 1,500. Okay. I, I put it at about, what is that? That's, that's. I think I had it like, like, like I think I had like 10, 10 bodies. It was, yeah, 10 bodies per lion. And then an additional thousand for the stampede, basically. Right. I felt like that was a good number, but it does kind of depend on how effectively they've they've positioned themselves. And I was just imagining them like starting at midfield and then going. Mm-hmm. So if they, yeah, then it's like kind of a question like if they move as a pack to one of the exits, even if they get like two or three of the exits under control, that's really going to be a big problem for the humans. Yeah. Um, but anyway. So, do lions uh, hunt in packs. Okay, so I'm just do lions hunt in they packs. Do in fact hunt in packs. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that is one of those things that's actually true. You uh, do have the wall. I guess it wasn't. If they're on the field, I mean, they do have to get up over that initial barrier. I think they can jump. Yeah, yeah. I think they can too. But it, that that'll buy you a couple. It'll of slow, it'll slow you down. Yeah, exactly. It'll slow them down. Yeah. Uh, uh, something in the future like this can be okay. Now, is the is the state are the stands the normal height, or is it like when you're at the zoo? And they have that big, you know, concrete, you know, sort of moat area that keeps the lines from getting up. Well, that- yeah, and they, I don't know the, I don't know how the tunnels connect to the main concourses, like, right. and know, like the tunnel players use, like the concourses. The lions know how those tunnels connect. That's a whole other issue, too. So yeah, it's complicated. But this is why people come to the podcast to have us break things down like this. Um, anyway. So moving on, although that was super fun. So we are now going to that, that took way longer than I expected. Um, we're we're going to have to for the next uh, week since we're near the hour mark. But we can we can knock them all out now too. I am not not rushing this, the creative process at all. Oh, that's true. We do have this day in Bill's headlines. Right. You know, what? And, and you know what? We. I mean. Can you really get better on the murderous line? Like I feel like maybe we just stick it. Right scenarios that we now know for yeah let's just do this day in bill's headlines and we'll we'll tease the uh we'll tease the next game which is of course the pats game the second pats game um and it's going to be an olympic contest but maybe one you don't think of all right that is going to be going to be intriguing for everyone so we'll do this day in bill's headlines last week two weeks ago excuse me i went mildly overboard and came up with for the last 20 years. This day I did 14 of the last 18 years. So we do have 14 rapid fire trivia questions. And you guys, uh, the first one to jump in and get the answer wins wins points. But it is like whose line is it anyway, because you can't really redeem the points for anything. Uh, other than you get to, you know, read the credits at the end. So here we go. 2017, going back one year, the headline is follows. This bill, confident about week one status. 
he says, it's extremely frustrating because I've been consistent in my career with being at practice, being there for my team, not missing games and everything. I was in disbelief. That's why I finished the whole practice because I was like, there's no way I just hurt myself. My first day is a bill, not mm. a year ago today. A year ago today. Go today. That would be, um, tell, no, he wasn't till later. Uh, yeah, same with the other wide receiver they signed, uh, Golden. Some new starter, yeah. August of uh, 2017. Uh, Zay Jones. No, Dude. yeah, because ah. he played. Um, he. EJ Gaines? Did EJ Gaines get hurt? That was the that was a good guess because this guy came to the team the same day Gaines did. Uh it was the wide receiver from Philly. Uh jerk face make jerkington. Jordan Matthews. Thank you. Jordan Matthews. But Frank did get the initial. Jerk face, Jordan, and McJerkington Matthews. <clears throat> yeah. Really? I thought he I thought he lasted a minute, but I guess not. All right. So yeah, it was Jordan Matthews. All right, 2016. Uh blank eight. Not smoked his way off the roster. Ooh, um, um, oh, uh, oh, uh, Cadillac Williams. You've got the last name. Uh, oh, Cadillac was Trent Williams. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mike Williams. Mike Williams. We got too many Williamses. That's not fair. Sorry. Um, uh, he was the running back that was really good for one year, Scott, and then the oh, next yes, year he yes, you're right. I know who you were talking about. Yes, what is what his name? Fuck. You might call him the Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was his? It, C.J. Williams. <laughs> A.J. Williams. What? <laughs> Carlos Williams. Carlos. Carlos. I knew it was something with a C. It's a K. <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos the K Williams. Cadillac Cadillac Williams was the Tampa guy or Cadillac somebody. Yeah, was. Cadillac, yeah, Cadillac. Uh, yeah. Uh, I knew it was the cuss sound. Okay, yeah. go ahead. All right, 2015, going back three years now. Blank reportedly feels slighted by Buffalo Bills ninety million dollar offer. Hmm. Uh, who would feel slighted? Darius. Yes, on one guess. I was ready to start. Well done, Scott. All right. 2014, going back four years. Blank, and I'll give you context for this too. Blank, catching on with the Bills. He says, it's a grind. It's been a long road to end up where I am now. Each team and each practice squad I've been on have been really good learning experiences for me in the NFL. So catching on with Bills, this player. Terrell Owens? Yeah, good, good, good guess. You're at the right position. That's why I'm emphasizing catching. Um, it's Percy Harvin. Another good guess. Oh. We'll, 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 you guys will get this if I tell you he is now a member of the New England Patriots. Chris, oh, Chris Hogan. Hogan. Yeah. All right, good I, one. Miami before that, right? Yep. He was. Uh, he was. Well, that's where he got his nickname, Seven Eleven, when on Hard Knock, Miami. Um, all right, 2013, going back five years. Holdout safety blank signs franchise tender with Bills. Oh, Jairus Bird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right, because they didn't want to let him go. All right. 2012, uh, lights out for this player after defensive end cut by Sean, Sean Merriman. There we go. Uh, it was, that was the easy one. That's the easiest one on here. 
Oh, these are all the other headlines that day. Bill Gailey names Glenn starting left tackle, and Chan Gailey says quarterback Vince Young has edge to win Bill's backup job. Oh, man, 2012. Mm. All right. 2011, this Broncos QB, impressive in Broncos Bills. Uh, Tim Tebow. Good guess. But not uh, Peyton Manning. Another good guess, but let's say this guy would end up uh, leading the Bills to a nine and seven season three years later. Kyle Orton. Kyle Orton. Yeah. Mm. All right. Mm. This, one, this one's for a lot of money because this will be a tougher one. Okay. 2010, eight years ago, NFL suspended Bills tight end blank four games for violating substance abuse policy. Robert Royal. That's your. That, whenever there's a tight end, Frank, you always guess wrong. Uh-huh. One of these days, Robert Royal is going to be the right answer. Um, um, substance abuse policy, tight end. Big fumble against Raven was what he's known for. He also had a not Keith McKellar, not not Pete Metzelars, not Jade Reimersma. Right, for a touchdown on Monday night in the opener against the Patriots, the highlight ran of him all year on like. Oh yeah, I do. I remember this highlight. I can't think of who this guy is though. Frank, one week we have to do this and do it for Paul and just have him get all of them in two seconds without thinking. Yeah, <laughs> right. We'll 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 do our best. And he'll just be like, oh right, and he'll have like fifty stats about the guy too. Right. <laughs> all right, who is he? I, I'm I'm ready to. I'm ready. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Remember Sean Nelson? Oh, uh, yeah. Nelson. All right. Two thousand nine. Top pick blank signed by Bills. A 2009 pot top pick. I'm going to say that was CJ Spiller. Who off by one year? Oh. Uh, was it another stupid running back pick? No. no. Uh, In fact, monumentally stupid. Oh, yeah. Here you go. That's your. Is clip. it Maven? Is there? Yeah. No, he was on the last one, too. I was like, he didn't go back to Maven, did he? Uh, yeah, I tried to not to have repeats. He and he was good. Yeah, no, that's fair. Hey, you got to get it when you get it. All his highlights are in August. So, <laughs> all right. Ten years ago today, bit two thousand eight, Bills hold out blank, making all the wrong moves. Says this judgmental piece about someone who's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame and not for his contributions to the Bills. Marshawn Lynch, Jason Peters, Jason Peters. Ah, on fire today. Yeah, killing it. I I had last week, and and Scott's yeah. killing it this week. Um, 2007, rookie linebacker blank says he feels at home with the Bills. Paul Puzlesny. Frank, right out of nowhere with that. I knew we were in Marshawn Lynch territory, so I was like... (laughs) For $5 billion if you get this one. Blank gains ground on Kelly Holcomb. Oh, um... John, I had forgotten. Here, this one was. I had forgotten this name until I read this headline. Um, Chad Brown. Good guess. Don't think that's an actual name of a player. But <laughs> this wasn't. Um, like, give it one hint that he was with the Green Bay organization. I oh think. my God! I was going to say, is it Brian Brom? No, but that was a good guess. Matt Flynn. That was all. Oh. This was even more obscure than that. It was Craig Knoll. Craig Knoll. I was thinking of 
the guy on Green Bay was not thinking of Craig Nall. So, all right. The uh, Packers for uh, for 2007. He was at the Bills in 06 and 07. That's a good one. All right. Now we've skipped some years. We're going to go all the way back to, uh, you know what? I'm going to do 2001 first because this one's impossible as well. 2002, I think, is gettable. Oh, also in 2006, I should note one of the headlines that day, rookie defensive tackle Kyle Lim a fifth-round steal for the Bills. For once, a headline that makes sense. All right. 2001, Blank's injury is Blake is break for Chris Halsey. Now, Chris Halsey was an offensive line. We're talking about a guy who's on the offensive line. I ever think he was a big part of the era played center and guard at various points. 2005? 2001, this is. I skipped Because uh... all the other headlines from 2003 to 2005 were pretty much J.P. Lossman. Mm. So. Well, you could have done one J.P. Lossman for us, but okay. JP for an unexpected I'm gonna, I think he was gone by then, but I'll just throw out Ruben Brown. A very good guess, but not not correct. But I think he played for the exact years Brown did. Uh, you have a guess, Frank, or you want me to? No, I linemen are a very weak spot for me. I remember the name Jerry Ostrowski, 92 to 2000. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this was his last. Uh, he uh, injured himself, and then he uh, ended up retiring. So, uh, All right, and then the last one, 2002. Buffalo Bills released former first-round blank. The Houston Texans have now claimed this defensive end. Defensive end claimed by the Texans in what year? 2002. 2002. Uh, hmm. I have your memory of this guy is he was once then he ended up on the Rams at one point, played on one of their special teams unit and fumbled the ball at a very key moment to remember the Rams special teams that helped the Bills. They thought he was the next Bruce Smith, but not Marcel Smiley. Oh. Um, well, why don't I say like, no, he was later. I, I mean, I, I hate to, I hate to, you know, give it away here, but it's clearly Achille Claude Debussy, the French composer. Um, Debussy, Debussy, excuse me. Uh, as you know, one of the first impressionist composers. Say it right, Frenchy. Um, um, didn't really appreciate the term, but yeah, he he was also a Houston defensive end. Yeah. Uh, Frank is uh, correct as always. Also correct, Vanna White. Vanna, mm. both good guesses. Wheel of Fortune. Uh, and in addition to doing those two things, this person is also now an offensive tackle for the New York uh, Giants, and he changed the spelling of his name to Eric Flowers. Yeah. Uh, oh, you gave us the hint earlier too with the Eric Flowers. I dropped. I name dropped him earlier. In the- you did, and that was like the gun in the first act that became important <laughs> in the third act. <laughs> I watched Clue last week, so I am, you know, totally. totally now I'm going to go home and have sex with my wife. Great ending line, dude. It's mm. great. It's a very good movie. It, it is a good movie. movie. And that is uh, this day in Bill's headlines, and it. This I shortened it up this week. It only took me like thirty minutes. Uh, <laughs> doing work I didn't want to do. So, yeah. you know, yeah, no, I think that's 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 great. Let's keep it going. I'm loving uh, this. This is yes, great. absolutely good bit. 
Um, another good bit is not talking about preseason games, but here we are in the preseason, <laughs> so we'll continue to do that. Um, things I don't even want predictions. I just want things to watch for this week at the Bengals game other than Josh Allen. And we're going to start with... That's my whole talking point. <laughs> that's All right. The- Oh no, that's fine. No, you're right. No, it's good. Thirty seconds talking about Josh Allen, and then I need to, you can so you can say Josh Allen, give your piece, and then say something else. Okay, so right, obviously Josh Allen, right? Like, and I think that's important. And and this is also the third preseason game, which is the dress rehearsal for some teams. I don't know if that I would call it the dress rehearsal for the Bills because I don't think that they are fully sold on having to start Allen in Week One. But I think the other things you can look for are one. How much, if at all, does LaShawn McCoy play and and how involved is he is? Because the more involved he is, the more likely it is to look like the real uh, offense. Because I think this is still going to be a primarily a running team. I want to see if Tremaine Edwards can pick it up a bit and correct some of the mistakes from last week. And three, I guess that feeds into my bigger question um, or my bigger view. Can the defense really sort of shore it up when they're trying and you would think that they're going to sort of really try for the first half here and even scheme a little so those are my 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 three things all right now on the non-allen front what i'm going to watch for something we talked about earlier can they rebound after a really difficult uh run defense that is after a really bad performance with run defense can they stop the bengals rushing game so that's the first thing i'll be watching for Two, will someone please separate themselves in the receiving game besides Benjamin, someone who works with that first unit and can beat some cornerbacks one-on-one and do things? I want to see if the Bills have any receiver besides Benjamin who I look at and think this is a capable NFL starter. In three, um, will they, in fact, enshrine Andy Dalton into the Bills Hall of Fame on the field? (laughs) Is there a mandatory way to be on the Wall of Fame? So that's really the third thing I'm going to watch for in the game. Honestly. I think they're doing halftime ceremony. Halftime yeah. ceremony. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I, I am. Okay. So I am going to be interested in the Bills offensive line, as I usually am. I am always trying to figure out how the line looks. And again, as as I think we talked about last year during the preseason, you know, and we mentioned a bit earlier, you know, the preseason for the line is kind of, you know, you know, it's not, there's not a lot of exotic schemes. You're not really having to learn a lot of different, you know, game plan each week for each specific guy. You're really just trying to execute what you do well. And for the line, it's really just taking care of the guy in front of you um, and getting to the next guy and uh, so be it uh, based on the play call. So that's something that they really should be able to execute pretty much week to week, even in the preseason. So that's the biggest thing that I'm looking at. Cause for me, that's essential to figuring out not just the offense, but also even who's going to start a quarterback. Because again, I don't, one of the reasons that I'm not really thrilled about putting Allen in there is as, as Paul mentioned earlier, I'm, uh, I'm concerned about the offensive line. And, uh, and Alan staying upright. Um, I'm also concerned about people listening to this podcast. No, I'm not. But I'll just say that anyway, as a transition to the part where we talk about where you can find the podcast, which, as Frank mentioned earlier, is just on Hangouts for now, but at some point will be elsewhere. Um, so yes. please follow us on Twitter, where Paul will tweet things. Um, I occasionally will put something on Facebook. I will start doing more of that as the season goes on. I realized the other day that I'm not good at social media because I will think of something that I think is like 50% clever and then not post it because I'm like, well, that's not 
I need to think more about this. This needs to be refined a little more and to get the funny out and to make it good. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that's not how anyone else thinks about social media, is it? That's certainly, yeah. I just got to visit Twitter. I, yeah. I, yeah, really, like the fact that like the thinking, yeah, like that's- Any thinking at all is really not- not really right. recommended. I mean, after like being on, I've been on Twitter for probably seven to eight years now. And like, now I sort of think about what I tweet because I <laughs> mostly don't want a bunch of people writing back to me, <laughs> but you know, it took a lot of not thinking, which seems to be the most popular part of Twitter, uh, to get to the part where I actually want to think a little. So I think you're almost too ahead of the game here. Uh, I'm old school. What can I? You got to get out of your own head here. And yeah. Well, just, well, just get out yeah. there and play football, Scott. <laughs> I suppose. Fun. I suppose there's a difference between um, thinking about what you post and not posting at all ever because you're thinking too much, which is kind of where I am on, on Facebook. But anyway, I will. Uh, I'll see if I can think a little less and put a little more content out on Twitter, on Facebook, I should say, and um, then um, yeah, don't use email because we never check it and. Don't try and contest us any other ways because we don't really want that. So, thanks. Bye. No. Um, uh, so, with that, uh, I am Scott. I'm Paul. I'm Frank. Good night, everybody. <laughs>